Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome back to our iHeartRadio AMFM247.com presentation of the Jiggy Jaguar Experience. We've got a great, great guest with us today. Ty and Carol Moss join us here on our big broadcast. And uh, we're going to be talking about hiding places for hospital germs. And uh, our doctors basically passing their germs on to patients. And uh, with us today, the uh, Preventive Hospital Solutions Crusaders and founders of Niles Project, Ty and Carol Moss. And uh, go ahead and give us a brief introduction on yourselves and tell us a little bit about Niles Project. Okay, I'm happy to do that. Uh, again, thank you for having us on the show today. Thank yes. you so much. It's great to be here. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, my wife Carol and I started our foundation, Niles Project, after the death of our 15-year-old son, Niall Calvin Moss, in 20, uh, 2006, uh, from an antibiotic-resistant infection called MRSA, Mesocillin-resistant Staph aureus, yes. uh, leading to sepsis. According to, uh, basically, he acquired that in one of the top children's hospitals in Southern California. Wow. At, at the time, we had never heard the word MRSA in 2006. And we began to do our research, and we learned that every year, nearly 2 million people enter U.S. healthcare facilities and acquire preventable infections that are often antibiotic resistant, and more than 100,000 of these people needlessly die from this silent uh, epidemic. Wow. So for the past for the past 10 years we've we've worked very closely with uh, the Centers for Disease Control and CMS for Medicaid and Medicare as well as Consumers Union Safe Patient Project. But we always like to inform people that we talk to about what we do that we're not doctors, but we have acquired much information from our experience uh, other patients' experience, advocates focused on education and the data we get from the CDC and others working on infection prevention and antibiotic resistance. So we always say we need to get smart about the antibiotics that we take and are prescribed, and we point people to a number of websites that we find very helpful. And also, James, just yes. to... to, to um, Delvin a little bit more on how Niall actually got this. He was only 15 and he went into the top children's hospital in Orange County, California and he was in there for an annual series of tests and mm-hmm. it just included an MRI. And so we later learned that, you know, this is how people are contracting these types of infections are from unclean surfaces and unclean um, caregivers who aren't following the preventative measures that the CDC has known about, and same with other experts in infection prevention. They've known how to prevent infections in hospitals for decades. And once we learn this, once we learn that these infections were preventable, we said, you know what, we really need to learn about this, and then we need to educate the public because... We were unaware of this. 
And um, as you mentioned, you know, we learned that just from a lot of research that was done, the lab coats that you see people wear, um, some of those aren't washed for months. You know, wow. we're thinking, here's a nice white lab coat my doctor is wearing, but if you can imagine, they're reaching over touching patients, and with that same sleeve um, or, you know, any part of their body that's touching the patient, if they're not washing and cleaning that appropriately, then they're spreading it to patients. We also learned that there are many areas in rooms that just aren't getting cleaned because, and, and I can tell you that I've worked extensively on this, um, I actually was appointed by Governor Schwarzenegger in 2007 to be a member of the public, to speak for the public on a advisory committee for the state of California. Oh, really? And I would, I would, yeah, I mean, it was something I've never done, but I, you know, we started really becoming very educated on what is happening in hospitals and what needs to be changed. And what I learned and what changes happened over the last nine years that I was on this committee were pretty um, unbelievable because all of these infections are preventable. From cleaning the rooms, you know, very well to cleaning the people and making sure that they're following the guidelines as to, for an example, um, some people may put on a pair of rubber gloves, but they don't wash their hands before they put their gloves on. Yes. So whatever bacteria is on their hands, and they haven't washed their hands before they put their gloves on, they've just now had a breach in their cleanliness and hygiene because they've just contaminated their gloves. Yes. So yeah. it's, it's been unbelievable what we've <laughs> learned. And, and so, um, as I mentioned, on um, while well, I was on this committee for nine years, January was my... Um, that was the last day, last time that I was on the committee. But the last six months was my goal was to um, build a subcommittee that would um, require all hospitals to follow the CDC guidelines for infection prevention and cleaning the environment and the people. And so we were able with this committee to make the recommendation to the state of California, and we're just waiting for them to do the right thing and implement what the experts have agreed to in California by making all the hospitals and healthcare facilities follow the CDC guidelines for infection prevention that have been in place for years. Well, and see, this is the thing. A lot of folks don't understand that there is there is a lot of times that you can get infections and you can get some of these uh, some of these germs and everything by going to the hospital because, uh, as you guys mentioned, the uh, the uniform safety, some of the other things going on. Uh, it, it this this is just amazing, amazing. We've got a uh, series of great guests with us today. Ty and Carol Moss join us here on our big broadcast, Hiding Places for Hospital Germs, here on iHeartRadio and AMFM247.com today. Now, um, uh, let's talk a little bit about the public awareness, uh, healthcare awareness, education. Uh, how, how, do, how do we reach some of these folks, and how, how do we make this uh, possible for folks to get more information on all this stuff? Be more oh, educated. Very good point, and um, this is the thing that we like to bring to to the audience. 
we all need, as I mentioned earlier, need to get smart about what we're prescribed and what we're taking. Yes. And a good way to start is a number of websites that we've uncovered that we always uh, point people to. And the cdc.gov forward slash get smart is one. We also have uh, our own website, which is nilesproject.com. We post anything that's uh, breaking information that we want to get out to our friends and family and, and to the public we put on our website. There's also uh, medicare.gov forward slash hospital compare, which gives uh, an opportunity to, to compare your hospitals and what, uh, what kind of situations they might have happening in those particular facilities. Medicare is a Medicare hotline which is an 800 number, 800-633-4227. We also uh, point people to Consumer Reports, uh, choosingwisely.org, and they have some questions that you can ask your doctor, which is things like, for example, do I really need this test or procedure? You know, what are the risks and side effects? Are there simpler and safer options? You know, what happens if I don't do anything, and how much does it cost, and will my insurance pay for it? Yeah. Those kinds of questions are important. And then, of course, there's the um, FDA.gov forward slash safety slash MetaWatch, and that's for people to report problems that they've run across uh, themselves. So those are the, the kinds of websites we think that are important and we have those posted on our website as well the knowledgeproject.com now you uh, know um yes, james if you ahead. have just one more one more moment i do want to bring up something that's very important that's in the news um it's there are there have been issues and problems with enduoscopes which are scopes that are um people use that uh, are you know they're they're used to look inside you and to see digestive problems and that type of thing, and I would alert the audience to uh, Google and do a scopes and infections preventable infections because it is a time right now that our healthcare um, is still using devices that are not cleaned and they are causing the spread of deadly infections. So we are warning. Um, all people that we talk to, before you go and have a scope of any kind, ask your healthcare worker or your, your doctor, is it urgent that I do this now? Because there are many tools and devices out there that are not being cleaned properly, and they are spreading deadly infections. And so, like I say, those things are all over the news. Um, and we want to urge people to wait to have these scopes done unless it's an urgent matter because of the number of problems that they're having with devices and they're still using them today. Well, I see a lot of lawsuits. Uh, uh, I see a, a, a lot of, uh, of, of folks on, uh, on, on television, especially on some of the news channels, where they're yep. talking about various things of, of that nature. How, how, how exactly do we, uh, how did we get to this point? Well, I'll tell you what happens. Hospitals are not always focused on cleaning everything. And we need, the public needs to begin to pressure our health care givers to do the right thing because where they cut back in hospitals is in cleaning. 
instead of hiring professionals to clean, many times they have people that are cleaning that don't even speak the language. And I, we were just with the CDC at a panel um, at South by Southwest in Texas a few weeks ago. And um, they had said that if you're in a hospital room and you're feeling sick and somebody comes in to clean your room, and sometimes you might say, honey, you know, don't clean the room right now. I'm just not feeling good or we have people here. It's the number one thing that needs to happen because this is where bugs reside, um, cleaning the devices, cleaning the environment cleaning everything around you is as important as the medication that's prescribed because it is highly contagious. And so where it's at is that hospitals have not made cleaning a priority. And we're here to focus on educating the public and to, for them to speak up. When they see something that's unclean, you call in the head nurse and let them know there's a puddle of this over there, there's uncleanliness over here, you know, because the bottom line is that they don't clean like they need to. And I've been working with many experts that have um, definitely identified the big areas of, of where hospitals are falling short. We've got uh, two great guests with us today. They join us live here on our iHeartRadio AMFM 247 presentation of the Jiggy Jaguar Experience. Hiding places for hospital germs is the topic today. And uh, Ty and Carol Moss join us today here on our big program. Now, um, th th there, there seems to be a lot of uh, education. And as you mentioned, uh, a, a lot of folks working in these hospitals that are not qualified or just aren't trained um, how, how do we reach those folks and, and, and fix that, that part of it? Well, uh, what we need to do is we need to talk to our health care providers, and we need to make sure that um, we have what we need. So when, when someone is going into a hospital and they are deciding what hospital they want to go to, I would ask um, that hospital their theory about infections. Do you, what is your infection rate? And you, they can go to um, the, the uh, Medicare.gov hospital compare website and take a look at how many infections people are getting in these hospitals. And so patients need to become an, play an active role in purchasing power because if they look at the Medicare um, .gov hospital compare website, they can see their hospital's trends. Is this hospital, um, is their infection rate going up or going down from last year? And that way they can determine, oh, wow, they, they're getting a lot of C. diff infections in here. That's from unclean surfaces. Well, I certainly don't want to go there. So buying power and knowledge is the best way for all of us to play a role in safer health care. We've got Ty and Carol Moss with us today, iHeartRadio, AMFM247.com, joining us here on our big program, Founders of Niles Project. And uh, now let's talk a little bit about uh, providing education to the public, some of the tools that are going to be reducing the number of antibiotics prescribed. Uh, give us your thoughts and feelings on this. So today, um, that we have a big problem. What we found out how our son Niall died at the age of 15 is that when he went in and he got this infection from it, having an MRI, is that we learned that 
he acquired methicillin-resistant staph aureus. And that means, it simply means it's a staph infection that's resistant to antibiotics. And we now have a global problem called antibiotic resistance. It comes from the overuse and misuse of antibiotics that our country has been um, precipitating by um, taking uh, antibiotics when we have a virus as opposed to a bacteria. So again, patients need to play a big role in learning about what is the global threat of antibiotic resistance. What it means is we have run out of the standard um, antibiotics that we've used over the years. They have become ineffective. And so what's happening today is that doctors are prescribing antibiotics that are much stronger with the more powerful side effects that are changing the lives of so many people because they're so powerful. Some of them, fluoroquinolones, that also that include Cipro as one of the most um, harmful antibiotics, yes. can really damage you for life even after taking five pills. So what's important is that before you take an antibiotic that's been given to you by your doctor, you need to ask them, what are the side effects? You need to say, is there anything that's not as powerful or have the risks as this antibiotic? And you also need to go online and check out the FDA website that Ty gave, www.fda.gov-safety-medwatch, that lists warnings that the FDA has posted from the public reporting problems. So this is a really great website for everyone to go to every time they get a new antibiotic or even a drug from a doctor because um, it's, it's that kind of time now. We need to be watching out for our family members. We've got Ty and Carol Moss with us today, joining us on AMFM247.com, also iHeartRadio today, and uh, discussing uh, preventive hospital solutions and uh, hiding places for hospital germs. Now, um, you guys are wanting to, to apply a focus to add more safety and oversight for some of these children's hospitals. How do we do that exactly? Well, one of the things that we found out is, in, as it relates to cleaning, a lot of these hospitals are being left in the dust, and especially children's hospitals, because they're not regulated the same as other hospitals. Um, they're not on the same systems. The regulatory issues are not as strict, and they're not the same. And what we're finding is, you know, children are getting infections from the toys that they're using at the hospitals from, you know, because immediately things go right to the mouth. So we want to put an extra, extra strong focus on protecting our children in um, children's facilities and children's hospitals from, you know, environmental cleaning that is not happening there today. And so that's a big focus. So any of your viewers that are out there, have them make special requests um, if their children is going, their children are going into hospitals. Find out about what is your cleaning guidelines. How are you? How how will we know that these toys that our children will be playing with while they're there are clean? Show us how you're disinfecting um, each each time they're used. We've, yeah, one of the yes. things that we 
uh, some of the focuses that we have is for rapid detection uh, of whether or not a person has a, a virus or, or a bacteria. So we think that, uh, and we're trying to promote the idea of having uh, the public basically become part of the solution. And by that, we mean like some of the rapid tests that you can find in some of these uh, stores today. You can find a, you know, whether or not a person has a pregnancy, if you're, if you're pregnant or if you have... If you're ovulating. You know, or if you have... So we want to know whether or not, does a person have a virus or do they have an actual bacteria? And we figure that should be able to be provided that you can have an in-home test. An in-home test would be so excellent for the public just to be able to know if it's a virus and they need to stay home for a couple of days or if it is a bacteria of any kind, just a basic, say it's any kind of bacteria. Now you go and do further testing and you go to the doctor and, and you take it from there. But that would cut down on a lot of expense. It would, it would be a lot quicker uh, to detect whether or not you have a virus or a bacteria. Uh, as Carol mentioned, the environmental cleaning of the facilities is very important. And the other major point that we think is important is making sure we ask the right questions when we're dealing with healthcare providers, making sure we're asking questions because uh, that's how you can make yourself more knowledgeable and do a little homework for your, on your behalf as well in your family. Right, and James, just, uh, just to uh, backtrack a little bit, so once we learned that Nile had contracted a preventable hospital-acquired infection at the hospital and it was antibiotic-resistant, we went to the CDC and we said, why aren't you educating the public on what this is? What is antibiotic resistance? How do we become a part of the solution. And so we've been working with the CDC now for nine years, and they have us come and speak at the White House. They'll have us come and speak at big um, you know, events where they're evaluating solutions. And what we realized is this. In our country, we don't have access to the very simple tools that will help us save lives. The reason we are in this problem with antibiotic resistance is because doctors will just prescribe a, a, a antibiotic to you and not prove that you have a bacteria. So what we need and what other countries have is they have tests that they can take within 15 minutes and they can say, oh, I'm having a respiratory problem, I'm having a hard time breathing. Let me take this test and see if it's a virus or if it's a bacteria. If it's a virus, I'm going to find out how I can treat the symptoms. But if it's a bacteria, I'm going to run to the doctor, and I'm going to show them my test, and I'm going to say, please tell me what kind of bacteria I have. If we had that test available, our son Nile would be here. Two children's hospitals missed the signs that we gave them that described MRSA, that hospitals have known the, the, all of these same kinds of symptoms that look just like the flu, and they should have known with all the symptoms that we gave them, they should have known right away, oh my gosh, because 2 million people each year go into hospitals and contract these antibiotic-resistant infections, and many of them are MRSA. So they didn't recognize the sign of the symptoms. So we need to have the power in our hands. A mother's going to know to test for a virus or bacteria and then prove that it's a bacteria 
and, and demand that we get a, a rapid test that says, yep, that's MRSA. Let's treat him with vancomycin, and arsenile would be here today. There was a rapid test that was available in 2006, for, and it would have taken two hours. We need that rapid test to be available for the public, and that's what we're fighting for, rapid test in the hands of every single American so that they can prevent this harm from their family member. We've got Ty and Carol Moss with us today. They join us here on iHeartRadio and AMFM247.com. They are the founders of Niles Project, a public awareness and educational organization dedicated to preventing unnecessary deaths from hospital-acquired infections. And there's with us, they're with us today here on a broadcast. Now, um, tell us a little bit about uh, the, the antibiotic stewardship education, basically for the healthcare industry and for patients. So this is one of the best ways to prevent the overuse and misuse of antibiotics. So the experts have agreed, what is the best way to care for patients in delivery of antibiotics? You don't want to over-medicate because when you, when you over-medicate people with any kind of drug, you're going to have side effects. And so the experts have developed, and California was one of the first states to develop antibiotic stewardship program, and I was on the committee that developed it. And what this is, it's a, it's a best practice for scaling back antibiotics when a person is in the hospital and they're, they're showing improvement, raising the bar on the antibiotics and what antibiotics should be used when the signs are changing on a patient, and and the number one priority of antibiotic stewardship is giving the appropriate drug at the appropriate time. In our case with Niall, he, we took him to the doctor. We told them the symptoms. They missed the signs of symptoms. And so Niall's infection in his body from MRSA turned into sepsis. Over 3 million people every year get sepsis and it goes undetected and over 350,000 people die of sepsis in America. This is such a preventable problem. And so in that particular case, if they, if everyone had recognized the signs of, of sepsis, that they would have given Niall vancomycin right away. So Niall finally, after going to two hospitals, finally got admitted to the hospital, but they waited five hours to give him one drop of antibiotics. And had they had an antibiotic stewardship program in place with a pharmacist that's an expert in antibiotic stewardship, he would be alive today because he would have been given antibiotics immediately. And that's what's more important than anything is the stewardship of the drugs so that we're not over-prescribing and that the stewardship is a focus in our nation so that all of us are getting the appropriate drugs at the right time and, and we're taking care of the problem that we're having of overusing. So this is a very big focus of our organization. We've got uh, Ty and Carol Moss with us today. They join us live here on our uh iHeartRadio and AMFM 247 presentation this week, Hiding Places for Hospital Germs. And um, now, something else that has happened uh, fairly recently in the uh, 
world of uh, medicine, I guess, is the in and out patient infection prevention. And uh, you guys have a, have an awareness uh, project, uh, basically protecting patients. Kind of tell us a little bit about this and, and, and what your thoughts on this topic are. You bet. Well, if your viewer, if your listeners go to our website, www.nilesproject.com, there are two downloads that they can look at on the, on the first page. And it, one of them is 15 Steps to Prevent Infections in Hospitals. And this, um, this is a life-saving information that they can print off of our website. And what it gives you is the top preventative measures you know, when you're in the hospital, number one, you need to make sure that no matter what, um, no matter what, any kind of treatment in a hospital, any kind of surgery, even though they say it's just a little surgery, you always need to have someone with you at all times. So that's the first thing. And then infection prevention has been known for decades in our country and throughout the world. Um, what it entails is cleaning the facility, the people, the devices, the, the, all of the equipment, cleaning, screening, screening patients at the door. The VA hospital has proven that a strict surveillance program can reduce infections that are acquired in hospitals by 65%. And they've done this test over time. And so if you test patients at the door, you just swab their nose. This is what the veterans do when they go to a VA hospital. Before they're admitted, they're their nose is swabbed and tested for MRSA, and they're tested for other things. And in an hour, they can say, okay, this patient doesn't have an infection, so they can go into the normal part of the hospital. If they do have um, traces of bacteria, they will isolate the patient and then treat the patient. But that's not happening in our hospitals. They will also make sure that they surveil them throughout their stay. So let's say they're there for two days. They're going to swab their nose in a couple of days to make sure they haven't acquired one in the hospital. In 2006, when we learned these infections are preventable, Ty and I said, we need to do something. So we actually found a wonderful legislator, two legislators in the state of California that helped us put two laws in place. One of them is called Niles Law, and it requires every single hospital to, in California to swab high-risk patients that may have infectious diseases just from, you know, the environments that they're in. And they're supposed to be swabbing them before they come into the hospital and then before they leave. Because what's happening is they're going into the hospital. If they don't have infections, they're getting them, and then they're leaving the facility and spreading them in the community. So infection prevention requires surveillance. It requires that antibiotic stewardship program. It requires cleaning and screening, and it requires diligence on the trustees and the leadership of that hospital to say, you know what, we believe infections are preventable, we know they are, and so our focus is going to be preventing infections in our hospital. No ifs, ands, or buts. There are some hospitals that don't do that. They say, well, you're just going to get infections. It's just part of life. And those are the hospitals you want to make sure you're not going to. See, that, that I just find so insane. Why would... <laughs> 
<laughs> why would yeah. medical professionals just say, you know, this is just part of it. You know, you're screwed. So this is just part of it. You know what? I hate to say this, and, I, and I'm not kidding. I, I heard this, Ty and I, when we began this, we couldn't believe, you know, the amount of money. Um, the Reuters just did a four-part series on preventable infections and the cost of lives and, and financial cost. There are patients that have paid, that have gone into the hospital, they got hospital-acquired infections, They've paid $5 million, $1 million, $4 million. The insurance companies have paid that money to the hospitals when they acquired the infection in that hospital in the first place. And so unfortunately, I'm saying that there are hospitals that do not do everything they can to prevent infections, and they are still paid and compensated even though these patients have died or acquired these life-changing, terrible tragedies. We've got Ty, Ty and Carol Moss with us today. They join us live here on our iHeartRadio AM-FM 247 broadcast. And uh, uh, some, other, some other things I want to talk about here is, is you guys are, are out there basically promoting patient safety first. Um, you've had a lot of success stories. To share some of those with us. Yeah, we're happy to. You know, we, uh, as Carol mentioned, we've been doing this since uh, 2000. We started our nonprofit foundation in 2007. And we spend a lot of time with, uh, as we mentioned, the CDC and CMS, as well as uh, other advocates. And we're part of the Consumers Union, which is now, uh, we people know them as Consumer Reports. They have a safe patient project, and we're, we're advocates uh, along with them. There's, there's many, in fact, uh, representatives from almost all states. And we get together a couple times a year, and we hear patient stories, and we, we uh, share our story as well. And the key thing is, is that we find that this is not just a California or West Coast issue. This is a, not only a, it's not even a, a, a a U.S. issue. It's a it's an a, a international issue as well. So these same problems going around the world. But here in the United States, we could do a much better job, and we have the experts. We have the uh, the problems that we find is that you have to mandate. It has to be a law. That's the only way that things really get changed because. The CDC can only give you best practices, and and, uh, and 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 that's really really hard because these hospitals and healthcare facilities and inpatient and outpatient facilities uh, are don't have to follow those guidelines. The only way that it makes a difference is if we pass laws like we did in California, and mandate that these hospitals provide provide uh, their infection rates and information like that. And and to go along with that, as Ty mentioned, we have a network of patient safety advocates that are knocking on the door at CMS, knocking on the door of legislators. A big part of the Affordable Care Act, the patient safety component, began with us, all of us patients, going, sharing these stories, and sharing the solutions with the leaders. 
So one of the biggest challenges that we have in America is that our health care has always been paid to all the health care people. How they get paid is pay for service, fee for service. So the more service they give you, the more they get paid. Our focus is pay for performance. This is our number one success story. In the Affordable Care Act, starting with CMS, we have been begging for them to make MRSA and C. diff, make it so if hospitals don't prevent it, that they will feel the pain. And this year, 2017, is when MRSA and C. diff were added to the list of pay for performance where the lower 25% of hospitals in America will have their reimbursement of millions of dollars withheld and not paid if they fall within the lower quartile of lower-performing hospitals that continue to harm patients with these preventable infections. This is a miracle that all of us have worked on, and we will continue to work hard on keeping those patient safety topics and procedures that have been embedded in the Affordable Care Act, keeping those alive no matter what happens with our health care. We've got a uh, series of great guests with us today. Ty and Carol Moss join us. They are the founders of Niles Project and Preventive Hospital Solution Crusaders as well. And uh, before we let you guys go, if people want to uh, get a hold of you guys online or, or, or be involved somehow, how do they do that? Yeah, they can reach us through our nilesproject.com. There's a contacts page there. And just fill it out, and it'll come to us, and we will be happy to be back in touch with them. And we'd love to have them on board as Niles Project volunteers. We have people handing out the 10 steps for preventing infections in schools and 15 steps for preventing infections in hospitals all around the nation and actually all around the world. So we'd love to um, have more volunteers to help us spread the word. Well, fantastic. I appreciate you guys making time for us today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much Thanks for, for having us. Thank you for highlighting this topic, James. We really appreciate being a guest on The Voice of the People. Thank you so much. Definitely. You guys have yourself a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you for being with us. You too. Thank appreciate God it. bless. Thank you. Tyne, Carol Moss on Skype Audio here on iHeartRadio and, of course, AMFM247.com. You can- Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.